Set your phasers to sexy Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of True North Nerd. Yay! This week, we've got a bunch of stuff because it all basically came at the same time. We're going to talk the new Invincible show. Uh, We are going to talk the Snyder Cut. And uh, hopefully we won't be talking about it for four hours. And we're going (laughs) to talk uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, So before we get into all of that, spoilers will be coming. Especially a big one for episode three of Falcon Winter Soldier. Is that where we're at now? Yes. Three. We're halfway yeah, done. So there, there is a really big one that I'm impressed they kept under wraps. So we will be talking about that probably extensively and what it might mean to the uh, the full Marvel Universe. But before that, we have Kevin. Hello. And we have Jen. Hi. And we have Ryan. Hello. So, Ryan, what's yes. in the news this week? Oh, we got news. There's a whole bunch of stuff in the news this week. Mm. Considering last week was pretty uh, empty, this uh, last episode, uh, this one's like, wow, I've got like my window that I open and type in. I have to, I'm going to have to scroll down. Ooh. I normally don't have to do that. Uh, so let's start with Marvel has left Diamond Distributing. They have uh, made a deal with Penguin, uh, Penguin Books or whatever the hell that's actually called. Yeah, not uh, an actual just, Penguin. No, not an actual Penguin. <laughs> to uh, to ship out and distribute all of the you know their, their Marvel comic books and stuff like that. Now Diamond has made a side deal with Penguin to continue being an option for comic shops to get their comics, but. Uh, this is the second big comic distributor to leave Diamond this year, mm. or I guess in the, in the last year, because DC did the same thing. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, we'll see how how it changes things. Uh, the biggest difference is is Diamond will still be available to Penguin as a wholesaler, so a lot of comic shops might just deal with them regardless. And just keep it the way it is, but unfortunately might have to jack up prices a little bit more to, to cover the, the new costs of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the From what I understand, the other major difference is the is uh, shipping via Penguin, at least in the States, is free, whereas Diamond you had to pay something for. Oh. So I, I don't know if that is the same in Canada, however. Like it might be you're paying for shipping regardless of what. See, I, right? I wondered if this was just an easier way for Marvel to get its books into stores that aren't just specialty comic book stores. I imagine that's definitely part of it. Like it, it's it's that too. Like that's the added yeah. bonus of dealing with with them. But there there's a couple different things I think. Right. Here. And it's uh, um. 
I've seen like there's a lot of people who think it's going to change everything. And then there's a lot like I've heard from retailers where it's like, eh, this isn't really going to change much. So uh, it's really a wait and see what that does to the industry over the next little while. The, uh, we, we've noticed that like the DC change seemed to be a major shift, but it really now at the end of the day, it does, for us as consumers, it hasn't really changed a thing. Right. If you can still order your Marvel books through Diamond, through this arrangement that Penguin has made, then not much is even going to change for the retailers. Unless, of course, they see that they're going to save a little money on shipping by switching to ordering direct from Penguin. Well, so the price I, could I, go up, right? From getting well, it from Diamond. From what I it. hear about the price of comics these days, I just read something that the regular price of a Batman comic is $6 now. I think it's going up yeah. to that, but yeah, but that's DC in general. Oh, glad I bailed when I did. Hmm. Yeah, no, I and I had this conversation with a friend the other day who has still has a poster from that. Remember DC holding the line at two ninety nine? Yeah, <laughs> that, that was just a couple of years ago when they came out with that and kept saying, "Oh, we're going to keep our comics at two ninety nine. And sure then Warner Brothers was purchased by AT and T. And now they're six dollars. <laughs> Next. Next. We got a new Suicide Squad trailer. Actually, we got two. I haven't seen the second one. We did get a new red band trailer earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, I believe everyone's seen one we that saw, one. Right? Yeah, I saw that. Uh looks pretty good. I can't wait for this movie to come out now. It does look very good. I'm excited. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. See, I like the, the lighter, funnier side of of DC. Um We'll get into that with the Snyder Cut, but I'm really mm-hmm. glad that they're doing another Suicide Squad and that it doesn't look like Joker is in it. <laughs> Again, get into that with the Snyder Cut, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I, I think this is the... We, we had a discussion, uh, especially with Kevin, about how like certain DC properties shouldn't be R-rated. Which I'm I'm sure we'll talk about a little Agreed. bit later when we talk about the Snyder Cut. We should just put the news as Chapter One. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this this is like Deadpool in a lot of ways. And like if you're going to do an R rating, have a reason for it. And this yeah. sort of seems like yeah, okay, uh, they, they've got reasons for it that work. Well, like the, that makes sense. The book was called Suicide Inside. Squad, and it's about a yeah. bunch of hardened, bloodthirsty criminal murderers who have bombs in their head that can explode if they don't toe the line. I think that deserves an R rating. Mm-hmm. No, that totally reads PG. <laughs> Whereas Batman versus Superman, those are characters kids love and should not have an R rating, in my opinion. And, well, it didn't. I know, but... You know, we are getting there with the Snyder Cut stuff. Now, the the other thing that came out of the trailer is we found out a couple details about things. The <laughs> mystery of who is playing uh, King Shark's voice was solved. It yep. is Sylvester Stallone. Fine. Who is a good voice, I think, for King Shark. Yes. Along with the idea of um, King Shark is often portrayed as a hammerhead shark. Not always, but like chunks of the time. Yeah. So I, I found it amazing because somebody tweeted at 
James Gunn. Like, why didn't did you go with this instead of the Hammerhead? And not in like a dick way, because I think if it was a dick way, we would have never gotten an answer, or no. at least not for a while. But the answer is, it's a practical one. They tried it with the Hammerhead, but lining up uh, camera eye lines because it's a digitally built character, like over a person. Like, they mocapped him. <laughs> But trying to build the eye lines with the hammerhead turned out to be way difficult. And you also couldn't really tell sometimes <laughs> who the hammerhead was looking at. So they went with the standard shark version just from a purely like film standpoint. It was easier to deal with. <laughs> so. Yeah, that makes totally sense. makes sense. And it sounds like we also know who Taika Watatiti is playing in the film. Well, I didn't see that. So, um, it's a voiceover, and there's only really one other character that gets a voiceover. The thing that made Kevin sleep the most when the trailer came out. Yes! Starro! The Conqueror! (laughs) I love we're getting a movie with Starro in it. One of the myriad of DC villains whose name ends with O. Now it's not confirmed, but I I almost say it's a safe bet. It well, makes not the, the most sense. Well, there's also that that hairy thing that we see licking licking the window. That's uh, That's Sean Gunn. Gun. Oh, that, okay, <laughs> of course it's Sean Gunn. <laughs> yeah, maybe James was feeling a little in insecure with this movie. Is he put in all of his film Lucky Charms into it? Because you have Michael Rooker, you have Sean Gunn. He's now throwing in Sylvester Stallone into that mix. Is I'm Sylvester sure Stallone Nathan one of his Fillion Lucky Charms? Does something. So, oh, wait, Nathan Fillion is in it. So, yeah, he yeah. is there. <laughs> yeah, Stallone was in one of the Guardians movies, too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I didn't know exactly. he was considered one of his Lucky Charms, though. Well, now I think he's just throwing everything at the window. Yeah, why not? That was, this is what he did when he was briefly fired from Guardians 3, right? So, yeah. But, uh, oh, it looks so fun. I, I can't and, wait. And it's coming to HBO Max this year, right? So, yeah, it, it falls under that, that deal still. And John Cena looks like he's going to be kind of awesome. Oh, it's Yeah, peacemaker. surprisingly. I don't know. I couldn't see him. <laughs> oh, <Ugh>. God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Brent. That's what we were all thinking. <laughs> Pretty much how he described the character, though, as a douchey Captain America. That's Peacemaker. Yeah, and and it sort of sounds like that's how he's playing him and, like, is doing a pretty good job. Enough that James Gunn made time in his schedule to do a TV series with him. Really? Yep, yeah. it's yeah, going to be on HBO. About that a lot. It's a miniseries. I, I think it's going to be six episodes is what they're gunning at. Huh. But that says something, right? Like they, they, it, it says something to me because James Gunn is like, you know, he's kind of loyal, and if he likes you, he'll use you in other things. That he enjoyed working enough with Cena on that movie. That yeah, I want to spend more time and with you and this character. Yeah. So yeah, it looks good. Next. Next. Okay, so the Defenders showrunner Marco Ramirez and Blue Beetle director, which I forgot there's still someone you know, working on a Blue Beetle movie, uh, Angel uh, Manuel Soto, are working together on the next live-action Transformers movie for Paramount Pictures. Mm. 
Uh, there was apparently a rumored casting as well. Um, I didn't catch who the person was. It wasn't anybody I, I recognized to be like, I guess, one of the humans. But uh, it sounds like it's supposed to start uh, possibly filming in the next couple of months even. So we'll see. And I think they were calling it Transformers, well, at least right now, loosely Transformers 6. So who knows where in the timeline this is going to fall. If it's a follow-up to Bumblebee's soft reboot, or is it, you know, continuing after, uh, what was it, last, uh, the last night? What was that last Transformers movie called? I don't know. I don't know. The one with the swords and the knights <clears throat> and the floating, you know, the one Cybertron came and all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Transformers. Woo! Um, okay, so we got some casting news. We've got Marvel casting news. And DC mm. casting news. Uh, Pierce Brosnan is joining the cast of Black Adam as Dr. Fate. That's pretty good casting. Yeah. If we're going for the classic Dr. Fate. He's got a helmet on for most of it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. So, that's good. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, if he's Dr. Fate, he's wearing the helmet. Brian doesn't I, like that. I, I, I couldn't decide. Like I, I like the casting in some ways. But part of me was um, polling for Oded Ferrer from the the Mummy movies, and who did the voice of Doctor Fate in like some video games and Justice League the animated series. I, I thought he would make a good fit, but eh, it's, it's still okay. And Russell Crowe will be joining Thor: Love, uh, Love and Thunder in a mystery role. Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> Actually, I'd be fine with that. <coughs> as long as if it means Beta Ray Bill's in the movie, I'm okay with it. Uh, a little well, bit. And realistically, he would only be Beta Ray Bill's voice. Yeah, more which would make sense right? of so. why he's just brought in at this point, since hmm. they've been filming for so long. Uh, Helen Mirren is joining the cast of Shazam 2. She will be playing the villain Hesper- Hes- Hespera. That's how you say that. Yeah, that sounds right. Sure. Helen Mirren, um, I think you, uh, she was in um, Red and yes. Red 2. Yeah. Oh, I think it's more we don't know who the character is. Oh, yeah. okay. No, I totally know who Helen Mirren is. Okay, yeah. well, when She's you said amazing. who, I thought you meant you didn't know who she was. Sorry. No, no, no. I assume that that's some magical goddess of some sort since, uh, you know, isn't, the, what's the, isn't it Shazam, Wrath of the Gods or something? Is it what it was called? Yeah, something, something like that. that. Uh, okay, the Pixar animated movie Luca will be skipping a theatrical run and coming straight to Disney Plus. Yahoo! Yeah. Uh, is it straight to regular Di- Disney Plus or the rental version? Regular. Uh, straight to regular. Yeah, Similar, interesting that well, they're doing that for Pixar films, but not Disney animated films. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Because they know. did that with uh, the one we saw just before the first shutdown. What was that? Uh, the, the Onward. Onward, yes. And then they also did it with Soul. Oh, yes, they did too. So I haven't watched that one yet. It's good. Soul is Soul is one of my favorites. I don't know and if I would so, say it was one of my favorites, but it's very good. Uh, yes, and so in the last two weeks, and since we're talking Disney, uh, since our last episode, they finally made, made a decision in regards to Black Widow. Uh, and in Black Widow has been moved once again. 
but this time they've come out and said that she will be in theaters July 9th and on Disney Plus as a premium rental or a premium release for an extra charge of $30. Yes. Now this moves Shang-Chi, The Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, to September 3rd. And then it sounds like Eternals is still keeping its spot in November. So we're going to have a really uh, you know, busy uh, second half of the year for, Disney, for Marvel movies. Yes. Because on top of that, we still have Spider-Man in December, too. Yay, Spider-Man. Right. Plus, we're still getting TV series, right? We, yep. After this is Falcon is done, we've still got Loki and Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye all coming this year as well. So. And what if? Yep. Uh, and then also moved was Cruella. It will be doing a Disney Plus uh, and theatrical release now on May 28th. I'm not sure how I feel about that movie yet. I love Emma Stone, but I don't know if, if I really want to watch another movie where the villain is the main protagonist. Yeah. No, same here. I probably will if it's on Disney Plus, but... Well, it's, yeah. it's going to be a premium one, so eventually it'll be free on Disney yeah. Plus. Um, oh, back to oh, Black Adam has some news. It has an official release date. Uh, I guess they did some little video thing in Times Square the other day uh, in, up in New York. Uh, they announced July 29th of 2022 will be the release date. Have they filmed that one already? No. I didn't think so. I think they're maybe starting. You know, that's why they just announced that Pierce Brosnan is going to be in the movie, right? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. The Rock has to hit maximum rock before he does this one. <laughs> it's like, what's he called his gym? The House of Pain or House of Steel or something? Oh, yeah. It's got to get moved. And and I'm not making that up. It's like it, he has like this portal gym that is that he brings to all of his sets now that it just looks like not fun. <laughs> Uh, another movie release date. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' new movie Free Guy had another announcement for its release date, which was actually kind of a funny release. <laughs> so it has now been given a release date of August 13th. Uh, this is another movie that's bounced around a bit, but uh, in the little video, he's like, "We're certain that this time, our you know, we guarantee our movie is coming out on." And it's like, and you hear a different voice, like August 13th. So, <laughs> But uh, well, so I'm still looking for that one. Looks interesting to me. That's that one yeah. where, he, where he's the uh, the video game character that realizes all of a sudden realizes he's in a video game. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think that one looks really good. Uh, okay, so let's talk about movies that have released and had got a big release. Uh, the, just this past weekend, Godzilla vs Kong debuted internationally, and it made money. It had the biggest pandemic-era international box office debut with $123.1 million, uh, with 69.2 of that coming from China alone. Oh, wow. It had a reported $21.5 million uh, Friday opening in China. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it did well, which means People we want may to get see more. Smash stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out uh, this past week on Wednesday uh, released uh, to theaters in North America or theaters or drive-ins and theaters that are open in the States uh, and HBO Max in the US and are available on Prime for rental here in Canada. I think it's a $25 rental. Oh, I haven't checked. 
Uh, I think that's uh, one of my coworkers mentioned it to me. He's, he has Prime inside there, so. I can check right now. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I assume we're all Gargoyles fans, the cartoon, yep. mm-hmm. the Disney cartoon. Yep. Uh, so NECA announced, and usually I would save this for uh, for Tales from the Collectiverse, but I figured it's getting enough hype and it's an awesome enough looking action figure. I'd bring it up here. Uh, so NECA has announced a new line of Ultimate Gargoyles figures. Yay. Uh, the first one is Goliath. And with an estimated release date of July, and the pictures they've shown of it, uh, it it looks awesome. It yeah. does. Uh, it, there was enough uh, excitement around the original, just that one photo being posted online, that people, uh, you know, were bombarding them with questions. That they came out and said that they had plans for seven approval. Uh, I guess they're working on five right now, and then like, like probably the other two are going to be waiting afterwards, but. Uh, so it looks like you know, we, we could finally be getting some really good Gargoyles figures. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm curious who the other ones they're working on are. Yeah. I assume it's like at least one of the other like hero characters, if not a couple, and then maybe Xanatos or Xanatos or uh, what's her name? Elisa. Uh oh, that's a possibility. I hadn't thought of her. No, I was thinking more of the uh, the female gargoyle who's kind of a bad guy. Demona. Oh, oh, that's sure. right. Demona? I can see them doing her for sure. Um, I don't yeah, know why they they're... wouldn't be working on. It's a gargoyles line. You make all the gargoyles. Yeah. Like you make the main the main ones from the first couple episodes for sure. Mm. Um, I think you I think you can easily get away with not making the humans in this yeah. case and nobody's going to be that upset if you give them the, that like the main cast of gargoyles that they can put on a on the high parts of their shelving units and their display cases so they can pretend like they're gargoyles then they'll be happy <laughs> or maybe that's just me <laughs> no i mean I, I think i would really only want the gargoyles yeah and right now until i see the others i just want i could get goliath and be happy like they could have just done it as a one-off yeah yeah um, now, at this time, there is confusing reports on whether or not it'll even be available right away as a Canadian release. Mm. Um, it could be like we had happened with the Ninja Turtle movie figures where we may have to wait a bit, but time will tell. Update, uh, Kong versus, uh, Godzilla versus Kong is available on Amazon and on Apple. You can, you can rent it there. $25 is the fee. Okay. Not bad. As if you have, if, if you have someone to watch it with, not bad at all. No, you're going to pay that much to go to a movie anyway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, uh, Young Justice season four, Phantoms. I have an update. Oh, that's still happening. That's good news. There will be 24 episodes. Even better news. The voice recording for them is complete. Oh. And to quote okay. showrunner slash producer Greg Wiseman. Uh, who, his Twitter post, he was asked the other day for an update, and this is what he wrote. He wrote, nine episodes are in the can, five more in post, 12 being animated overseas. Pre-production is virtually done. Uh, currently wow. no release date. Cool. And we're assuming this is going to HBO Max as well? Uh, as far as I know, yes. That's, it's gonna, that's where it will be since there's no more... Uh, 
DC, DCU, or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, is that where the, the last, I knew the last season went somewhere, but I couldn't remember where. I'm guessing um, we'll get it on Teletoon again. Yeah, probably. Uh, Netflix, they have backed the money truck up and have purchased the rights to two Knives Out sequels. Mm. Oh. Yay. So we'll be getting Ryan Johnson and, um, Ah, oh, shoot. What's his name? Daniel Craig. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Thank you. Uh, back for at least two more movies. Yay! I loved Knives Out so much. Yeah. It was good. And it's a, it's like you can honestly see, see it as a series because it's just it's going to be based around the detective, not the, the other cast of characters. Yeah, yeah. it'll be like so if they horror movies. Like, or... Yeah. And if they do it like how they did that one and like assemble kind of like a good solid cast around him each time. Mm. It'll work out well. Agreed. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Now, I know we discussed this movie months ago. Do you remember spiral from the book of saw? Vaguely remember it. It's the Chris rock sort of, Chris Rock is a cop. Sam Jackson's his dad. Yeah. Um, there's murders started. Saw, mur- saw style murders. Yeah, or Jigsaw. You know, they think Jigsaw's a Jigsaw copycat. Uh, it had a new trailer drop this week. Really? Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I saw it. I don't. I figured you guys probably didn't see it because I didn't post it, but uh, and share it with you. But um, I've never watched a single Saw movie. Uh, I know of them, obviously, but usually that kind of gore movie is just not really my thing. Yeah, me neither. No, I have heard good things about the first one, especially since it's the first one. But then, you know, by the time they got to like, what, three, four, five, whatever, they just was like, how can we kill people now? Yeah. What kind of traps can we make now? Uh, Where this looks more like your, you know, thriller horror movie type thing. So I'm actually kind of interested in watching this one. Yeah. Mm. The the original saw was great because it was a, again, more of a thriller. It wasn't completely blood and guts uh, with the exception of like kind of two little parts in the film. And it was like a small budget film. Like, most of the money probably went to Carrie Elwes, and as far as starring actors go, I don't think he's really that expensive. Maybe Danny <laughs> Glover. Danny Glover was also in it, but like, you know, it's it's one of those things that I haven't. I'm a real big fan of the first film. The other ones, I'm like, eh, they're all right. But this this one has intrigued me from the start because it's been. Chris Rock has been shepherding it the entire way. Right. Like it is like this is kind of his baby, which is not a movie genre you would ever associate with him. Well, that's no. the reason why I want to see it too, because it's very much like you know you expect it to be him be some kind of comedy or something, not you know a serious cop in a mm. in a horror thriller. Like even when he was a cop in Lethal Weapon. He was the funny. He was you know, funny guy cop. Young, yeah, funny guy cop. So, all right. You got me, um, yep. No, keep on trucking here. A couple more things uh, <laughs> on my list. Uh, okay, Venom. Let there be carnage. Has a new release date. 
September 24th. So here's where this, remember that I said we have a busy fall coming. Yeah. September 24th, three, three weeks after Shang-Chi, one week before Dune. That's going to be a busy month. <laughs> the, uh, assuming everything still comes out when they're planning to. Yes. Well, enough of these movies have bounced around, and uh, I can see the way the uh, the 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 vaccines being distributed in the United <laughs> States right now. Uh, the fall movies, I think they're probably going to be safe. At least I, I that's the way their numbers. I mean, up here it's a whole different story, but they're really, you know, when they're sticking people with like th- you know three million needles in arms a day. Mm. Yeah, and. You know, uh, things might shift and change, but let's hey, let's let's be positive here, people. Come on, mm-hmm. <laughs> positivity on Good Friday. Let's go. And so, the last on my list, did you see the trailer for Rick and Morty season five? Not yet. No. <gasps> you guys need to hang out on the internet more often, like <laughs> I do. Stop having lives and just watch videos on YouTube. Um, it's been given a release date of Sunday, June twentieth, on okay. uh, I guess Adult Swim or whatever. Looking Cartoon forward to it. You find it on. And uh, for me, that's it. I'm done. My news is over. Okay. Anybody else got any news? Yeah, oh, I got a pretty big one. Things, I've you? got one too. Okay, you go first, Kev. Okay, it's nothing too big but uh remember uh back in the fall uh star trek had star trek day and they celebrated on the day that um the day that uh, star trek debuted back in 1966 well they also have a similar day in april which is first contact day which is the date that the vulcans arrived on earth so they're having a day of uh of panels that will be airing on um on April 5th, starting at 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific. And uh, the first panel is a 25th uh, anniversary of the film Star Trek First Contact. Uh, so that will have Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, and Alice Krieger, the Borg, Borg Queen herself. Uh, the second one is Creating First Contact's panel with which has costume designers, effects supervisors, and makeup and prosthetics people uh, talking about creating um, the looks for uh, Discovery and Picard. Then there'll be a panel called Women in Motion featuring Sinequa Martin-Green, Michelle Hurd, Issa Briones, and Don Lewis uh, from Discovery, Picard, and Lower Decks. And this is about how... um, how the original Star Trek, and specifically Nichelle Nichols, helped pave the way for women of color on television and its lasting impact on Star Trek. Then there is a panel called Second Contact, which is the creator of Lower Decks, Mike McMahon. And um, they're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek and comedy and uh, some more info about Lower Decks. And then lastly, the one I think where we might get some actual in, uh, actual news and new footage is a Star Trek Prodigy panel, uh, which will be the producers of that show and Kate Mulgrew, and they will be talking about the new CG animated uh, show for kids, Star Trek Prodigy. I have a feeling we might get our first glimpse of animation and what the actual animated Captain Janeway looks like uh, with that panel. So that should be interesting. If you like Star Trek, uh, check it out. That is uh, April 5th, which is what? Monday? Tuesday. 
Monday. 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 <laughs> so if you're listening to this today, it's released. It's right now. It's on right now. <laughs> Alrighty. And from the realm of uh, Warner and DC films, um, one project I've been kind of following, but kind of figured this was going to happen. The other that I completely forgotten existed. Oh. Uh, Warner Brothers and DC Films announced this week that Ava uh, DuVernay's New Gods and James Wan's Aquaman spinoff, The Trench, have been canceled. Um, I think we all figured uh, The Trench was probably going to be kiboshed because... I'd forgotten that they'd even announced The Trench. So did everybody else. <laughs> yeah, it never made well, sense to me in the first place why no, you would make not a movie, really. that movie. Like, you would just make that Aquaman 2. Yeah. Well, not even that. It's like, we're going to do a spinoff from Aquaman. Oh, okay, so are we going to go into like more of the backstory with Black Manta? Or are we going to talk about... like? the the Atlantean magics and stuff like that. No, I was thinking like those guys that don't talk that eat everything. We just do a movie around that. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's not like they had dialogue or motivation. They were just like monsters. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unless the whole movie was supposed to be like their origin, but then even then, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't care that much about that those characters in that movie for it to deserve its own movie. Did now, granted, James Wan is like, he comes out of horror film. So if anybody could make it work, it would probably be him. Realistically. It's just seemed like a weird one. The yeah. new gods one. I'm, it doesn't surprise me, but I was kind of like, Oh, cause yeah. it had like, uh, it had in my mind kind of everything going for it. And well, 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 except for one major thing in the next little while, but apparently the, the one thing is, so like these have been shelved for now, but Warner's is also basically in their statement. Uh, we thank our partners, Ava DuVernay and Tom King, who was the, the co-writer, the comic book writer was co-writing new gods. And uh, James Wan and Peter Sarfin for their time and collaboration during this process and look forward to our continued partnership with them on other DC stories. The projects will remain in their skillful hands if they were to move forward in the future. So basically, it sounds like they're just not willing to put money or effort into these movies that they feel that it might deserve until they figure out what the hell they're doing with DC films going forward. That's me reading between the lines. Yeah, they don't want to kick these these guys off of it, but they also can't hold them down because there it's like we don't know when we're actually going to put money into this. So, mm-hmm. and 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 if the new version of the DC universe on film will fit into these projects and vice versa. Yeah, it just seems <clears throat> it's not a good look for. Warner to basically let go high profile directors of color mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, you know, in it, Ava DuVernay is a pretty high profile director uh, at this point, And James Wan is pretty well known too. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it seems weird for them to be, to be I, let go at this I, point. I honestly think it's the the reorganizing of the DC film division and what's going on is 
they they just don't know what they're going to do with it or where these things fit. Right. Um, as we segue into chapter two, the Snyder verse, the Snyder cut of Justice League. <laughs> See how smooth that was. Oh, it's it like butter. <laughs> smooth but, as silk. So, um, what was it? Two weeks ago, the Snyder cut got released. Uh, we, I think we were recording the week it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, let, uh, Kevin, full disclosure, Kevin hasn't seen it yet, which I have is not. hard to fault Kevin because it is a four-hour film. We've got time. <laughs> we watched Kevin it in two likes, even in lockdown. <laughs> I, I watched it the day it came out. Like, you sat down and watched the full four hours all in one go? Well, no, I stopped uh, at one point because Brent was like, hey, want to play video games? So I said, sure. <laughs> yeah. And I only had like half an hour left. So then I, when you finished playing video games, I finished the movie and then went to bed. We watched it in two installments, basically. We watched more or less two hours in one and two hours in the other. Yeah. And um, the only reason we made it through, we watched it that quickly is because I was sick on the Monday. So I was home from work and it wasn't feeling well. So all I wanted to do was watch TV. <laughs> Not COVID, though. <laughs> no, but it, it, unfortunately, it's like you got to watch it, right? So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, I think for I can speak for the three of us. Of We all thought it was a much better version of the film. Oh, yeah. And that is coming from three people who thought the, the Joss Whedon version of Justice League, while having its problems, was an enjoyable film. Yeah. Is that is that accurate to say? Sure. Yeah. Um I don't need think it needs to be four hours long. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's um let, let's talk about okay, so the the plot is generally the same uh, uh, overall. Uh, okay. the the add-ons to it. It's more like the general plot is the same, but the the bells and whistles are different. Are, are we doing spoilers or not? Because yeah, go ahead. Spoil spoilers. away. I mean, I oh yeah, Justin we're doing spoilers. So I know okay. what it's about. Just making sure. I didn't want to spoil something and then having Kevin be like, "No." I've read enough about it that I <laughs> know whether I'm going to like it or not. Yeah. Um. Uh, let, let's start off with like what you liked about this version better. Let's go with the good first, and then we'll we'll go to the bad. Uh, Ryan, what did you like about the Snyder cut more than the original Joss Whedon cut? Ah, oh, the additional story, the, the the motivation for the character, like the heroes and stuff. At least some of it made a little more sense. Like it was better. Made a got, lot more sense in some places. Yeah, in some places, yeah. Um, you got a lot more w- of the story for Flash and Cyborg, uh, which was nice. Um, yeah, the oh, the original, uh, the ancient battle, like when they first attacked Earth and got mm-hmm. defeated, that was expanded upon like tenfold. Mm-hmm. And was awesome. Yep. Okay. Anything else? Oh, I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm like, 
It's been even longer since I, w- I watched the the first one. Oh, uh, uh, true. Okay. If we, if we want to talk about things that were, because you know, we're just talking about the the, the the good things about it, then uh, uh well, yeah, it's no. I look at it as yeah, it's an extended cut, <coughs> director's cut. Um, so yeah, there's differences. Uh, I kind of think of it the same way as you know the Donner cut of Superman two. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, except you know. This one has a lot more extra footage, where that one it was kind of used with uh, less footage because you know with that whole situation, uh, it was interesting the different musical choices. Oh, definitely, yeah. And oh, watching yeah. it, you can very much be like, okay, yeah, Justice League, that's a Joss Whedon movie. The Snyder Cut, yeah, is a Snyder movie. Huh. Yeah, it like to your point. It's amazing what context can do to change a scene in some ways. So, like, to, to put your your example into complete play, uh, when we see after Aquaman drops that guy off who was in the storm and his ship was going down, and he mm-hmm. saves him and brings him to a bar and takes, like, a bottle of Jack Daniels and walks out so into the ocean. Him. All, all like badass in the Whedon cut. You have uh, the white stripes, icky thump playing as he's walking into the ocean with the waves crashing on him and shit. And it looked good. And it, but it was like it was very much like badass is the yeah. way you could describe that scene. In the Snyder cut, it's like all, as far as I can tell, other than the card, the the color grading is the exact same scene. But instead, it's a Nick Cave and the Bad Seed song playing in the background as he goes in. And it gives it like a completely different weight and tone of him being the uncrowned king who doesn't want the kingdom, like in terms of Atlantis and like like how they position it and stuff. Other than that, like you take the, the music out on a whole, it's pretty much the same scene. Like I think the color the color grading's different. I think it's as is most of this movie. I think it's darker than the Joss Whedon version, but it's still like shot for shot the same thing. Yeah. So one uh, of the one of the few scenes that's shot for shot the same. Mm. There's a lot of the other ones. Like there's a lot of new or like unseen footage from like compared to the first movie in this cut. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's almost like surprising the like almost like the whole first hour. Yeah, and it's also it's also surprising. Uh like so basically it's you know, the Joss Whedon cut is just under two hours, and this is four hours, and a lot of Joss Whedon's cut is in this movie, but in different context and different positioning or different color grades and and stuff like that. So it's from a film standpoint, it's really interesting. So I, I watched both versions within a week of one another. And like, as a fan of film, it's really interesting to see the differences between the two versions beyond the length part. Like just even like the, the subtle things that like were the same footage that was used in both, but used so differently that it's almost like, Oh, I didn't realize that was the same thing, but it it kind of is. Uh, Jen, or uh, sorry, Ryan, did you have anything else to add on there? 
No, no, I'm good for now. I have a, Again. Oh, uh, can I ask a question? Maybe I'll ask this question of Jen. Okay. Jen, did you find this movie was more grim dark than an Avengers movie is? Like, and, and maybe compare it to the if you can think back to the original Justice League. Is it is it darker? Because I think the world knows my opinion on this that I don't think the Justice League should be real dark characters. But uh, is that is that sort of what you get from this? I don't. I didn't really think of it as darker. I mean, it wasn't. The, the way that Joss Whedon's style is 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 just genuinely more lighthearted. It did. Ha- it was more intense. I'll put it that way than the Joss Whedon version. Okay. Uh, it made a hell of a lot more sense. I mean, I almost didn't mind. I didn't. Okay, it didn't need to be four hours, but I didn't mind it being four hours because they also broke it up into chapters, so it was easy to stop if you wanted to. And be okay. like, okay, you know, it says chapter whatever. I can stop here and, you know, pause, go have a pee, watch it tomorrow, whatever. So it didn't feel like it was a continual, you had to watch the whole thing in one run, which I liked about it. That's good. Um, the thing I liked the most about this movie is that it wasn't a Batman and Superman movie. It was a Flash and Cyborg movie. Oh. And so Batman and Superman almost take a back seat to those two. So, and because it was Flash and Cyborg, it wasn't quite as gritty and dark as, say, Batman movies tend to be. Right. Uh, they really did a lot more character development and emphasis on the Flash and how he's becoming a superhero, but not in a, like, they took out that whole part in Joss Whedon where he was like, I'm scared, I've never done this before. He stepped, in in this version, he just steps up and it's awesome. And it makes him seem like a much more convincing hero. Right. Um, they made Cyborg. <sighs> Cyborg was still very broody, but he has a whole character arc from this char- from this character who is saved by his father and turned into something he didn't want to be. And then his whole arc by the end of the movie is him fully uh, appreciating the, his second chance at life and fully um, really, you know, embracing the fact that now he is this cyborg superhero and that this second chance at life that his father gave him, he can do something with it. Whereas before he felt really upset, like, I can't go out in public. I have to hide in the apartment. By the end of it, he's not wearing his hoodie anymore. He's like, I am cyborg. And he is like, it's a really great arc for him. And like, that was not in the Joss Whedon version at all. They were minor secondary characters. Yeah. And I think that the fact that they switched the focus to those two really made the movie worth watching. That's good to hear. Yeah. It's the cyborg in this for the, the comic nerd side, Kevin, the cyborg in this is very, very much the kind of the early sort of stages of cyborg in the Wolfman Perez run of teen Titans. Nice. Like it, like it, it, I will say like, it is a bit darker and a little bit more brooding, but you get his character motivations more. Oh yeah. And like, uh, I believe we, I think we talked about it. We, when we talked about Ray Fisher's allegations, like early on of the, the stuff going on with Joss Whedon and, mm-hmm. and the, the ensuing investigation, I think I personally commented something along the lines of like, 
you know, you really hope that he's being honest about this and he's not making it up because he's risking a lot on it. Mm-hmm. And watching this cut, it is obvious that his claims have merit. Oh, yeah. Because oh, really? he is the star of this movie. He is. Point huh. blank. He is, Cyborg does a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah. He He's in it, I would say, about two to three times more than he was in the the uh, Joss Whedon cut. And that's yeah. like not even talking about runtime. Like he has yeah. a story here. That's I why I surprised. said it's more, it's more of a Flash and Cyborg movie than it is a Batman and Superman movie. Yeah. Well, this makes me more. This makes me more interested in watching. Now, here's where I tone it down for you a little bit, Kevin. Uh Everybody murders everybody in this. Oh yeah, there's a lot. There's still a lot of Zack Snyder murdering going on. Um, I I have a lot to say when we get to the the bad things about it too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about the things that still don't quite work okay uh ryan did did you have anything that didn't really work for you or bug you about this version of the movie uh no nothing too much nothing really that wasn't already there you know i would like i want to i wish there was more superman in it but that's the problem with both of these movies you know that's the problem with killing (laughs) superman off in the movie before this you know see earlier episodes for my rant about killing superman off um but uh, other than that, yeah, no, it was. It wasn't any worse. Than, you know, like I said before, I liked it better than the first uh, BV, uh, the first uh, Justice League movie. Uh, yeah, you could have used a few more fun moments. Like we yeah. didn't get the. Yeah. Uh, well, I did one thing. I did like that they changed that didn't quite make sense to me in the jo- in the Josh Whedon one, where the. Uh, they came out and said that the place where he's building his fortress, you know, the uh, where there was the nuclear accident. Well, in the original, there's people living there. Mm. If there was a nuclear accident, how come there's people living? I don't care how poor they are. <laughs> At least yeah. in this one, they're like, yeah, there's nobody living in the area. Yeah. because I'm so glad they got rid of the family that was living in the nuclear blast zone because that yeah. was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, when you, and when you watch it. It like it's one of those things that like I remember in theaters when I saw it, it didn't bug me, but watching it again recently, like before I watched the Snyder Cut, I'm like, this subplot is totally unneeded. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, it makes than- no sense to have it, and it's like it, it really seemed like watching it, it was padding the runtime out just a little yeah. bit more. And I think it was just a little a, a spot to put in a fun thing to show. Oh, here's the Flash saving one family. Oh, look, Superman just carried a whole building full of people away. Yeah, it it, it was. Yeah, not it was needed. not necessary. Yeah. Especially right. in this in the Snyder in the Snyder version, because they they he instead uses the time to go into more of the backstory, like Ryan was saying about why uh, um, what's his face is there. What's the bad guy's name? Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf. And what's the other bad guy? Darkseid. Yeah. Is that the other one? Yeah. Yeah. The and one. The who... whole and they actually you know, incorporate the anti life equation. Talk. Yeah. Oh, like wait till we get to me on that one. <laughs> that, that's one of my complaints, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, okay, so Jen. Oh, Jen. Well, let me go for complaints, please. Yeah. <laughs> I can't go wait ahead. to get this. So my complaints aren't um, 
they, they have nothing to do with the with the plot. They have nothing to do with the with the, the overall. They're just like little nitpicky things that soured parts of the movie for me. The first thing was the music. The music was god awful. Like almost all of it was terrible. The and, like, score to this cringeworthy. Film is <laughs> stupid. It, it, the score is dumb. Oh. It the was, use of licensed music is actually better than the Whedon version, yes. but the actual score to this film is awful, and I can't wait to hear our friends at Composers uh, do this if yeah. they ever get talked into it, because it's going to oh, be a... talk them into it. I, I would listen to that episode. <laughs> so I don't normally... When I'm watching a movie, I know that the, the music adds... Um, you know, it sets the scene, like what Brent was saying before about um, Icky Thump versus the serious music that was playing... It really like, but I don't consciously think to myself, oh, I'm listening to music that is invoking this emotional response. It's just background for me. Except this movie, I almost wanted to mute it in certain parts. It was like cats howling, nails on chalkboard, awful. And I'm like, so that's my first major complaint. Mm. (laughs) Um, My second major (laughs) complaint. My second major complaint was the. Fast and slow, then fast and slow, then fast and slow. It was nauseating. <laughs> oh yeah, the it, the overuse of yeah of slow motion. Oh my god. Okay, I understand that you need to do it for the Flash because that's yeah. his power. That part it makes sense when you do it for Flash, but do you have to do it for everything? Like every six seconds, it was like I'm gonna go slow, then I'm gonna go fast, then I'm gonna go slow, then I'm gonna go fast. Yeah, uh. it did seem like they decided to use it, or he decided to use it. Every is it anytime anybody goes is about to start a fight or go into battle, it's like, oh yeah, well, let's slow them down and then speed things up instead of just you know, yeah. The yeah. movie would have been three hours long if they had kept <laughs> everybody else's combat at yeah. regular speed. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, my third point, I have four points total that I can think of. So my third point um, is uh, the underwater, the, the whole treatment of Aquaman's people, the Atlanteans. Uh-huh. Now, I know that this is kind of like a parallel universe type of a movie where the Aquaman movie didn't make any sense, but or didn't or didn't happen really. But it makes literally no sense to me that a, a, a race of people who live underwater can only speak to each other if they make an air bubble around themselves. How are they breathing? 90% what? of the, the rest of the time. The only time you could have dialogue between two characters underwater was that they had to make a air, like a pocket of air around themselves and then they could talk. Yeah. And I was like, but the whole point of the Aquaman movie is that they can't survive on land, <laughs> which is what irritated me about the end of Aquaman. But you can listen to our, our episode on that for that rant. Yeah. Yeah, so Jen is kind of correct. The kinda, I'm very well. Correct. No, like in the <laughs> in terms of Aquaman, doesn't make sense when you line it up with this version of Justice League. That that's one like, and we know it's kind of now its own separate thing. Maybe sort of we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, like uh, Amber Heard who plays Mira in both versions. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, what accent did she have in Aquaman? She was British, wasn't she? No, it was just a normal American accent. Oh, okay. However, you're close, because in Zack Snyder's Justice League, she has an accent that is British, but not 
very good, and but she sticks with it the entire thing. See, that didn't bother me because I actress couldn't remember what her... No, yeah. Amber Heard's American. I couldn't yeah. remember what her accent was in Aquaman, so that didn't bother me. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the thing that really bothered me was the air bubble thing, because I thought she was the only one who had like these telekinetic water properties, but apparently everybody can do it because that's the only way they can talk to each other. Yeah, and all <laughs> the Atlanteans weird. can go on land without bubble suits now. Yeah, which was the case in in the Aquaman movie, and that's like oh. you can you kind of have to just separate the two. Well, the guys that were on land were they did seem to be struggling when they were being tortured. They were being tortured. Yeah, I yeah, thought, but you could put them that they were having a hard time breathing too. Shit mm-hmm. out of them, as opposed to need, being able to breathe. Yeah, because they weren't, like, gasping for air. They were more, like, moaning in pain. I don't even remember any Atlanteans in the Justice League movie. Oh, well, they, no, they weren't. They were underwater, so. Beefed up a little bit, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, they, they had to fight to protect the one uh, mother box, right? Yeah. Oh. That, that's been increased. Okay. My, last, yeah. my last point, I have one more. Well, I guess we could talk about the ending, the cutscene at the very, very end later. That's its own separate thing. But my last point. My bad point, so. Yeah, my last point, And this is probably the one that irked me the most because I felt that it undercut Barry Allen as a character. So when we first as it, when we first meet him, it's close to when we first meet him, when he's trying to get a job as a dog walker and is the, the girl who plays Iris, who we don't actually get her name. Uh, we just assume that he sees her and, you know, there's a connection. And so he's watching her get in a car and drive away. And then there's a, a truck that comes running down the road and hits her car. So, of course, a car goes flipping up in the air and he runs out to save her, which is great, right? Because everything slows down because he's using mm-hmm. his speed powers. That part makes sense. The thing that really annoys me is that he runs up to look up at her. And the first thing he does is reach out and just, like, caress her her cheek and her chin. And I'm like, that is very inappropriate, non-consensual touching that you shouldn't do just because you have superpowers. It was creepy. I mean, maybe I'm speaking as uh-huh. the only women, woman on this show, but that, that is, it just sent a, like a, ugh, down my spine because that is creepy that you, no, that's no, the first thing you would use your superhero uh, powers yeah, for. It looks creepy. Yeah. And then the second thing he does is grab a hot dog out of midair so that he can get his job as a dog walker. And then he saves her. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like uh-huh. the first thing you do is it, inappropriately touch the woman you're saving is the thing that really bothered me. Cause that to me set his character on the wrong path right off the, uh, right off the get go. Huh. I did it, not like that. It didn't bother me quite that much, but that, that was like this weird, like that's an interesting choice because it's not like the characters know one another. No, they've never, they've never it, spoken to each other. Yeah, uh. To each other. Or if it had been set up, that they had dated or something. Right. Uh, yeah, like, if he knew it her. Be, it would be actually kind of sweet. This just comes off as just kind of weird. Like, I think they were going for that, like, he's weird and awkward, which is what they do very well in the movie. But that kind of just pushes it over the line a little it bit. It pushes it way over to creepy. I mean, I've been that girl who's had the inappropriate attention by un- by guys that she did not want to pay any attention to her. Mm-hmm. And it just... It's it's just not okay, and to have a superhero do it to a woman is just. Ugh. I mean, I don't I don't like it. It just sets a precedent for things that he is thinking about he could do in the future. In my mind, 
And I know I hate to make a mountain out of a molehill, but it was just that one scene that I was like, nope, that should not have been put in. (laughs) I think it's valid. I think it's incredibly valid. Like if it weirds me out, like you said, is somebody in your your previous situations would be worse. Yeah. Okay. So now it's my turn. Yeah. Now it's your turn. She's only had four little points. (laughs) Yeah. So I I will go out and say this is the best version of this movie. I I think uh, in terms of Zack Snyder's filmography, it's not the best movie he's made. I would say that would either be Watchmen or Three Hundred. Uh, but it's it, it's a decent watch. I would break it up into two viewings. I think the original, how we heard it as like a four part miniseries, that would have been better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now here's where I think things suck. Uh, I I rather like the portrayal of Darkseid in this this movie i love the design they did for him and there's one sequence where you see him using the omega beams and it's like straight out of the the kirby comics it's just awesome however i don't like the fact that so here's where we get into major spoiler territory is dark side found the uh what the anti-life equation on a planet, got the shit kicked out of him, and left. And then conveniently forgot which planet that was, which apparently is Earth. We find that... He does that not have a good rec- record keep. That was one of the parts where it's like, it's one of the few parts in the movie like, that makes no sense. <laughs> not, not, and nobody can convince me how that makes sense, because it doesn't. Um, the other part is the epilogue to this film was yeah. not needed. No. Because we did, well. Both of them. Both the epilogues. sounds like we are not getting any more movies into the Snyderverse. In, in like his version of the Snyderverse. The Warner Brothers has basically come out and said, he got it done. We're happy he did. We're not doing this again. Well, maybe. <laughs> and the and because it does one of two things. One, it this was a blatant to me thing of you could say this was part of his plan because he was going to make two more of these things. Like originally, two more Justice League movies. And you want to bring the, the crowd back in. So it leaves you on a cliffhanger. In this case, Snyder should have left it out at least until he knew if he was actually getting a sequel. Cause I don't think he is as much as the <laughs> online community is now rallying behind him yet again. I think he's done. I think personally too, it doesn't sound like he has like full interest in going back to it. Maybe, but probably not. Should we describe the scene so that Kevin knows what we're talking about? Or do you know, Kevin? No, no, go ahead. This, Describe so, this is the nightmare Batman universe that we saw right. a glimpse of in Batman versus Superman. And there is a scene with the Joker. Oh, I did know uh, about this, yeah. With Jared Leto as the Joker. Um so here's the thing. He sucks. He is awful. <laughs> Jared Leto. 
I will Please, very, Brad, tell us how you feel about I this. Very <laughs> say this about a professional actor um, because, you know, I have dabbled in acting and it's, it's hard. It's not, not everybody can do it. And I think even like in films, it's not always under the actor's version of things, right? There's editing that goes in at shots. Sometimes an actor can seem like they're not doing a good job and it's completely not their fault. Jared Leto is a terrible actor. (laughs) He is not good. He has figured out for whatever reason that he likes using method acting and Jared, if you happen to be listening, when you're not with your fucking 30 seconds to Mars cult on an island somewhere, method acting does not work for you. It just (laughs) makes you feel like an asshole to everyone else. (laughs) And granted, I think he took the notes from everybody from Suicide Squad. And went, okay, people didn't like my version of the Joker in Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'm going to do something different with this one. Guess I was what? Say it was Eric, slightly better. You still fucked it up something horrible. Yeah, this it wasn't good, but it was Joker. slightly better. <laughs> you just be like getting in a reach around joke on Batman. And the yeah, other can, thing. Do we, wait, do we blame that on him or who wrote the script? I think it's a little bit of both. I almost see him as making that as a suggestion and somebody going, that's a good idea. Roll with it. Now, the other part of it is uh, watching that scene. It is one. It's the only it's one of the few things that they shot for this new version. And it's obvious that Jared Leto is not there with anybody else. (laughs) He is doing his scenes on a green screen somewhere else. He does not interact physically with anything in that scene that isn't in the room with him. Oh, you mean he wasn't even there with with, uh, Ben Affleck? No, they shot that like years ago. Oh, I don't know. Honestly, at that point, I was not paying very much attention. Yeah, like (laughs) there's parts of that that I I like, but uh, like the the Deathstroke and like the idea that they're they're in this anti-Superman Justice League to try and get everything back to normal in this whacked out apocalyptic future. But honestly, I probably wouldn't have minded it unless until the fucking Jared Leto showed up. So the reason for the post-apocalyptic future is because Batman sleeps with Lois Lane. Oh, fuck. That's not is even- that why? No, no. The- no, that's uh, Ryan. That's the story that is floating out out there. Is that the next part of the the next movie was to be about part of the storyline was at some point before Superman came back, he and Lois hooked up and Lois is pregnant with Batman's child. That's why we get that lingering shot of the birth control. Yeah, but that wasn't the, what caused the post-apocalyptic world though. No. That's what Jen. But that's what Jen asked. Yeah, he leaves us in an argument, and she dies. Oh. But the reason Batman leaves in the argument is because she says it's not yours in reference to her unborn child. She says it to Batman. Yes. But is and, it? 
yes, it's supposed to be because apparently the follow up in the next one is like when they reverse time and go back is she says it's not yours, but he knows that it is. And he he stays anyways. And the shit was her dying doesn't happen. That's the that's the lowest is the key part. I really don't like that plot for a number of no. reasons. The first and foremost is because Lois is going to be like, well, my husband's or my fiance's dead. Well, better hook up with someone else. Like, I don't I don't think that's how. Uh, well, grieving can worked. affect people differently, and it might affect her that way. It's just that whole plot line just sounds. Well, especially stupid. since she's never really met Bruce. Yeah. Like, there is no pre existing relationship. So when you just phrase it that way, it sounds like she just hopped into bed with the first guy who came by. Which but is. But Joe, Joe Mangalella as Deathstroke, I still think works. Oh, like, yeah. That sort of stuff. And, like, it, it was really. It was the Jared Leto shit. That like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> you nearly ruined a Blade Runner sequel. You weren't particularly good in Suicide Squad. Is he? Yeah, well, he won an Oscar, didn't he? What did he win an Oscar for? Is it Dallas Buyers Club? Uh, I don't know. Right. I do not know. Uh, I, think, I think that was it. Here, I'll Google it. You keep you keep ranting. No, I'm, had, I'm, uh, I'm, he was uh, playing a character where that had AIDS. Yeah. Um, honestly, like, is other than other than the that bit of the movie, I found yeah. that much more like, and I and this is not me being. Now that we've heard the the stories around Joss Whedon being an asshole and an abusive one, it, it this isn't me apologizing for the fact that I liked his cut of the movie when it came out. It's not. I, I still think his cut is okay, but this is definitely a better version of the movie. Oh yeah, it <laughs> wait, it makes so much more sense. Um, it's way more cohesive. Uh, it, it it's just it's a, like I said, it's not a Superman or Batman movie. Um, it it makes a whole yeah, it's it's a much better version. Also, Jared Leto did win Best Supporting Actor for Dallas Buyers Club in 2014. They should have taken it back for his role as a <laughs> Well, apparently he yeah, lost his wrong. he lost his his Oscar has been lost for three years, according to an interview he did on ET Canada in January twenty eighth, twenty twenty one. Ever. <laughs> so he didn't even care enough to keep it. It was lost. The Academy secretly sent in their their force of ninjas to come and, and they just uh, took take it, it back. back. He he says it's lost, but it was really revoked. Yeah. <laughs> so um I, is it honest to say that like we it, it's a better version of the film? Yes. Uh, like the three of us agree. Oh yeah, no, it's a better it's a better cut. Watch it. So Kevin, are you more interested in seeing it now? <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm in no hurry. Fair enough. That that would be the, the there you go. There's the recommendation from Kevin based on our synopsis, which I think is actually it, a, maybe a not good one. Yeah, it, it's yeah, and I I agree. I mean, it's definitely not. I was I was hesitant to watch it too because I still balked at the time, but it was good. If you were a huge diehard fan of DC and you felt that the Justice League, the Joss Whedon version was lacking, then watch it. But if you're kind of like a meh, 
then just wait. If you've got time to kill one day, watch it. I will throw in, uh, if uh, Disney and Marvel had any good sense, they're signing Ray Fisher to something. Yeah. I I would, like, he is, like, he stood out in this version of the movie. He's definitely got some acting skills, and he did a good job with what he had. Like, like he was, uh, uh, like, it's a shame that he was cut out so much of that first version. Because I think... Ray Fisher? Cyborg. Uh, Cyborg. Oh, okay. I don't know actors' names. That's <laughs> okay. But I feel that, like, he, his career, if he hadn't been cut out of that first version as much as he had, like, he, he would be on a pretty good track right now. Like, like we, we wouldn't be talking about him in relation to uh, the complaints that he is, and rightfully so, I would think filed against various things we would be talking about the next good movie he's doing instead because he might have not have had like a great experience on this film but he would have gone on from this and totally gotten like more roles due to his work on this movie because he did a great job and he should be applauded for it yeah definitely Yep, uh, better film, your mileage may vary. Now <laughs> on to uh, Invincible, which came out uh, after we did our last episode. The first three episodes, we are now on to episode four, but some of us haven't seen episode four yet, so we might not talk about it as much. <laughs> but, um, Kevin, you have seen Invincible, correct? I have watched Invincible. Yes, I have. So let's start this one off with Ryan, because Ryan was the big comic book fan of Invincible. We've all gotten into it since then, but Ryan w- Ryan was ahead of the curve. and mm. liked it before it was Ryan, cool. is, Ryan is the invincible hipster. I yep. liked it before it was I cool. liked it before it was, it was a cool <laughs> thing to like. Yeah, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I think it's a great representation of the, of the book. Uh, the animation style is very close to the comic book art. Like close enough that you, it's not you know, it doesn't stand out as being different. Uh, the story, it's been interesting how they're some things they're 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 speeding up and some things like I just did a quick like I'm sitting here beside my comics and so I just pulled out one of the trades to try to figure out like with the events that happened in episode four, which we won't discuss, like how far are we? And so I just kind of got I think it was like trade number three. No, I think I was looking at number four, because number three is a different one now that I have it in my hands. And there's different... Yeah, it's just... The way things are happening is different, but not in a bad way. Know what I mean? Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Some some things... Are, so, okay, let's get into some spoilers for the first three. Uh, Omni-Man killing the Guardians of the Globe Ooh, doesn't happen was... in the comics until later. Yeah. That was um, very violent. <laughs> I think that happens at the end of like trade two, beginning of trade three, maybe. And we don't know who did it for a long time. Yeah. Right? We didn't know it was Omni-Man when you're reading it. I have not read the comics, but I knew enough about Invincible to know that that's a thing that... Oh, I didn't know the exact specifics, but I knew Omni-Man was a bad guy. So... Uh, uh, it's interesting. 
It's interesting to watch knowing you have more information than some of the characters on the show do, specifically the lead character. Yeah. You no, know, it's it's really cool to watch a, a show where that's that's set up. Uh, his one friend, the the, the one that's uh, that's gay, who's clearly out in the comics, doesn't come out until later. I didn't know he was gay in the comics. Damn it! <laughs> Sorry. It was gay in the cartoon, so yeah. Well, I figured yeah. that was, was just a hint. A, that was just a stylistic change that they made. Yeah, me too. Like, like, uh, uh, we haven't gotten Amber. that far yet, Caster, right? You well, bastard. Well, well, that's I don't know what did that was in. No, no, Brett's already spoiled stuff for me, so. And Seth Rogen is a great choice for the voice of Alan. Oh, I love Alan. On a on a whole, the voice casting for this is near perfect. The voice, yeah, it's an amazing voice cast. The only one that I, I'm having to get used to is the guy who uh, Walter Goggins does the voice of Cecil. Mm-hmm. The uh, the the what is it? FBI or CIA? Uh, the, the government. The government. Yeah, the government. Yeah, I just I I don't know. I just expected more of like an Ed Asner style, like old gruff voice out of him, yeah, as opposed like to smokes ten packs a day type of a guy. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's not that it's bad. It's just it's it, it's taking a little getting used to. But everybody else is like, see, and for me, it's uh, Jason Manzukis's voice <laughs> as uh, Rex Blode. And that's not because it's a bad choice. I think it's still a good choice, but I'm just so used to hearing him on the, on uh, the podcast. How did this get made Mm. that it's, it's hard for my brain to distinguish, to to really focus in on him as Rex Blode and not just Jason Menzoukas talking. Yeah. (laughs) That one for me is a little, that's whenever he talks in at first, I'm like, Oh, Oh wait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His voice is so distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I have trouble reconciling because that character is supposed to be like a teenager too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, that too. Like, He's- all of the all of the kids are being played by people who are older than that, a little more mature than I I, I think they should be. I gotta give it up to Zach Quinto as robot. He's creepy. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till we get more into his backstory too. Or I can't wait until the future what what's going to happen with him happens. Okay, thank yeah. you for keeping that vague, because I think I know what you mean, but I don't want to say it, yeah. in case well, I'm wrong. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet in the show, so I don't want to talk about it. That too. <laughs> if it happened in the show, I would talk about it. But you... hmm? Um, it The animation's really good, too. Well, yeah. I like it. It is. Going back to characters for just a second, I like what they did with Amber, uh, his girlfriend. Because in the show, or in the in the comic... She's kind of she's just you're like your typical cheerleader blonde blue eyes, right? Oh. Um and yeah, they've really changed her character for the the cartoon, which I quite like. Like she's not stupid by any means in the uh in the comic. Like so she's not like a ditzy type right. of a character, but she looks like she she should be. That's just, you know, um she's got the that same kind of a look, but I like that they I guess they were trying to add more ethnicity to the cartoon, which is good. And I like that they changed her to the point where I was like, are there two Ambers in this? <laughs> so I, think, I really liked that change. Yeah, I, I think it's so Robert Kirkman learned and is now Im- implementing 
some stuff from his experience on The Walking Dead. I remember there was an interview with him. Uh, I want to say it was the prison season of the show where the writers kept talking to him about like, oh, I can't wait till we uh, cut off. Um, what's his name? Rick. The main guy in Walking Dead. Rick. Rick. Rick's hand. And he's like, guys, if I could go back and do it again, I would not have done that in the comic. There's so many things you don't realize goes with losing a hand. Like, how does he button up a shirt? Like, just like little things. And he's like, I wouldn't do that again. And then they didn't really do that in the show. And I think he's doing kind of the same things as he's going back. And changing some things in the cartoon to now as a more experienced and better writer and knowing that the form of animation and long series storytelling requires different things, changing those things for what he thinks is at least the better. Mm -hmm. Like giving a more diversified cast. I honestly think if he could go back and do the comic again, there would be some differences like that easy. Yeah. Well, the one thing I also read uh, that he was talking is he's hoping that, you know, that they managed to get through the whole series of the comic. Uh, and he figures they could probably do the com- the series in five to seven seasons. Yeah. Uh, which I find interesting, considering there's 25 trades. Mm. Um, and uh, and that he actually hopes that they can get to the point where they can continue the story past what he, what he had written. Really? Oh, yeah. that's ambitious. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, because you might know, be this, a little this, too ambitious. I can see him getting five. Going beyond that's going to get kind of tough. Well, I guess it, it all depends too. Like, what you know, if anything, do they cut from the from the church, uh, from the comic series? Uh, you know, uh, or do they do any time jumps mm. when there's things like that take up time in the comic? And you know, do they do that type of thing, or do they skip it? Or do they go through like some of the subplots that they have? Yeah, it's, the some comic. of those end up getting yeah. cut completely or moved around. Mm. Do we know how many episodes um, the first season has? No, I don't. You can probably look it up. I like that the clone brothers are. are I don't remember what their I, actual names the Mahler are. Twins. The Mauler twins. I love that they're in this because they are probably my favorite bad guys in the comic. They're hilarious. <laughs> I'm I'm digging um, the Hellboy analog character. What Detective Demon is that his name? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's he's another character that they like. You only see a brief kind of glimpse of him in the comics, and they they're building around him for for this kind of like a little bit new storyline. And he's mm-hmm. voiced by Clancy Brown. Uh, yeah, I love Clancy Brown. It's hard to hate anybody. Voiced I by love Clancy when he shows Brown. up at um, when he shows up at. Um, at their home and talks to uh, to Mrs. Omni Man. Yeah. I love that scene. I love that it really gets her thinking about what's going on, and she's uh, yeah. I I love I love that dynamic. She is such an, an interesting character to me in the comic too, because without any spoilers, uh, she's a regular human, right? And she has to go through such crap and she doesn't always deal with it well, but again, she's human, 
but just like the level of stuff that she's dealing with, I'm surprised that she's not gone insane. Um, yeah. Which I, I really love her strength of character in the comic. In the comic, is she Asian? I thought she was, but okay. I guess I was wrong. I thought she was more Hispanic, but it, I don't know if it. I mean, when you cast says. Sandra Oh and Steven Yeun as your leads, mm -hmm. uh, I just assume the characters are also Asian. I, I, I think it was Ryan? also. <laughs> no, I think they're just. I think they're just white in the comic, just yeah. like they are here. It just happens to be the voice, you know, the cast. And again, why not? If you have access to those people, just change it and like make the the cartoon more diverse. Yeah. Give some, uh, like other people a chance to see themselves on screen. Um, so uh, it looks like it might only be eight episodes. Only eight. Yeah, I I wanted to say it was six. So the, the Ryan's is better than what I was thinking. That's what that's what IMDb shows. So it goes until the end well, of last episode. <laughs> episode eight is on April thirtieth. So we get the you know, the rest of this month we get episodes and yeah. So we go on to the next chapter, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ooh. Holy shit, is this show good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a very different show than WandaVision. It's not better, it's not worse, it's just very different. Like as as we said the last time we reviewed it. And as it should be. Mhm. Mm different um, characters and there's different you know, they, they Yeah, no, they shouldn't story be should be much more of a spies adventure story which is exactly what it is yeah it's a cap story without cap mm. but they're, they're doing such a good job with it yeah <laughs> they are <laughs> well again the casting is out of this world um they've got really great writers who've created this story the 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 effects are amazing i love madripoor i love the feel and the the setting of Madripoor, mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, um, Marvel knows what it's doing. It's uh, it's interesting how they're bringing in different characters. I loved the reveal of Isaiah Bradley in the last episode, mm -hmm. um, and the the Who's updating that? of his storyline. Uh, the Carl Lundley. The guy okay. Carl Lundley. They would have been experimented on. and Yeah, the, uh, the the other cap. Sorry. Throws a cigarette box into the, the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which also sets, he continues to set up our Young Avengers story that we keep speculating about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And again, it, it just goes to show how much this story is about um, racism. When the cops harass sam when they're leaving that place yeah and then it turns out that bucky's the one who's got a warrant out for his arrest yeah because <laughs> he missed me... his po meeting which brings me to my favorite character who is the therapist in this show i hope she comes back <laughs> she's great that killed me she's so yeah funny. The... The, that whole thing is is pretty cool, but we got the introduction of uh, Madripoor, which we knew was pretty much coming, but yeah. it actually happens, and pretty much feels like I thought it should from the comics. Yeah, like yeah. You, you just kind of waited. It, like we knew it wasn't going to happen, but you kind of just kept waiting for Wolverine in the patch outfit to walk <laughs> <Yep>. by. <laughs> 
They just needed one guy with an eye patch, and the internet would have gone crazy. <laughs> Maybe there was in the background that we didn't see, and the internet will go crazy anyway. Yeah, and we go, go watch it again. Slow it down. Well, there were things in this episode to go crazy about. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I love Zemo, and um, I'm very happy he's kind of part of the group, and I want him to stay, even though he's a bad guy. I like him. He's fun. <laughs> and they did the mask justice. It looks right. It looks good and right from the comics. It, it's yeah. a great adaption into real world. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm I'm surprised he had he didn't run off. Like he like all those guys attacked and there was a big explosion and then he found a car and instead of leaving them there he came back and he was like hey. <laughs> I mean. Hey, they're they're still on the same mission that they were. He just he uh, executed some of his personal leanings yeah by shooting a guy in the head yeah <laughs> yeah he was gonna die anyway when the place exploded possibly like, really. yeah <laughs> he was gonna now, die one way or another now the big reveal and it wasn't who i thought it was um because it's it's very quick kind of part but the fact that they uh brought in one of uh wakanda's finest at the the end of this episode, the Dora Milaje, yes, yeah, with uh, Io, Ao, yeah, um, it makes sense though. Like it was something. I yeah, didn't that's that. Oh, about. for sure. Yeah, is the minute Zemo got out, yeah, they're going to be trying to track that fucker down. Yeah, because he killed he killed the king, right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he did. Yeah, so. no, that was a nice, a very nice surprise. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought it was a Koye, and then I looked closer and went, "Nope, not a Koye." Yeah, it was well, a very quick scene too. Yeah. Hey, a Koye might not be far behind. This mm-hmm. is like the. It depends on how this all sort of shakes down. Um, and we had Agent Thirteen show up. Yeah, I loved seeing Sharon again, and I I love that she's so pissed off. Um, I think that's great because they really did just sort of leave her to. Leave her out hanging. But do we know who the woman is that she met with at the end of her scene in Madripoor? No. no. It's an interesting little side thing. Do you think that Sharon's the power broker? Oh, that would be amazing. There's definitely something going on. Yeah. Oh, that would be so good if she was the power broker. If, if, I, uh, I hope not, I if Sharon was the power broker. Guy. Well, she's I mean, had to like she is making her living in a area of the world that specializes in black market dealings. It's a good and if I mean from her point of view, it'd be a good F you to the people who basically abandoned her there. Yeah, but her aunt is Peggy Carter. She's got more morals than that. Yeah. Yeah. But it would still be kind of awesome. <laughs> we also and, and her, don't her know uncle, what she was doing during the I war. wondered. Her uncle might be Captain America, right? So that's true. Oh, would she have known Steve growing up? In theory, if she knew Peggy, that's the thing. Is like wibbly wobbly timey together. If she knew her aunt, what did he do every time they had a family function? He hid in the attic for <laughs> yeah. For or maybe day? he. Maybe he lived on not as Steve Rogers, but as a he had an alias for his second life. Well, I'm sure that he had an alias. I don't think he was living as Steve Rogers. No, because, so. yeah, that would have been too obvious. People, Peggy Hill, you know, not Peggy Hill. <laughs> Peggy Hill? Peggy Hill. 
Too many, too many radio commercials in Are my you head. Saying Steve sold propane and propane accessories. accessories. <laughs> uh, she's a real estate agent, man. No, yeah, maybe, There's maybe a little she plug did for the Peggy <laughs> real estate team. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I'm pretty sure he because he's even now he's still alive. He didn't. He's not dead. Right. It'd be interesting but they to keep see. talking about him in the past tense. So is he alive? Well, because the world thinks he's dead. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, remember we see him at the end of Avengers. He passes yeah, I mean, the shield on. And I just kind of thought he died after then. <laughs> no. No. I don't so. think he's dead. I, which would be really interesting to have that him go and hang out with the other old, the old uh, super, sol- super soldier. <laughs> He'll be grumpy old men, the sequel. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm really curious to see where this goes. It, like, uh, uh, just they—they've done such a good. My my favorite MCU film is The Winter Soldier, and they're really doing a good job of capturing that same yeah. kind of feeling. Yeah. Like this is a this is a Jason Bourne series with superheroes in a lot of ways, but they're they're also interjecting racial politics in it at a time yeah. where like they should. And yeah. doing a good good way of doing it, like it's not beating you over the head with it, but it's definitely there, mm-hmm. which is good. And I think I'm 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 looking forward to like Zemo just like putting on the mask and not taking it off, and then like <laughs> you know, Ooh. there's theory, oh, yeah. Um, so Agent Thirteen, what if she's not really her? What if she's a scroll? And that's another oh. scroll she was working with. And once again, laying the seeds for secret invasion. Yeah, because we know that's coming at some point. That's not a bad idea. But, but aren't they... the, the scrolls are good guys in the universe. Just now is that the... Yes, they are, but not all necessarily all of them. Mm. Right? Because if they're doing a secret invasion storyline, that means they have to be invading Earth. There has to be a secret invasion. But wouldn't they want less superpowered people as opposed to more? Which makes me think you know, that well, she's not the power broker. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I still okay. don't think I she's did. the power broker. Right. But I think that because like, you know that she's you know, yeah she's doing what she needs to do. But maybe she works for Nick, you know Nick Fury and those and his scrolls, or maybe she is a scroll on whichever side, right? Like. Hmm. Because we had Skrulls working in the government side at the end of uh, WandaVision. That's and true. Recruiting Monica. So. Maybe. Could the woman that Sharon met up with be Viper and we're leading toward the Serpent Society? Because that's a Captain America uh, mm. uh, I would say. I would say no, because whoever that woman was, it sounds like she was, it looked and sounded like she was subservient. Like she was an employee of Sharon's or like mm. not at the same level. And if it was Viper, I don't see that being the, th- how they would present it. Okay. Just a thought. That That's just my thought in it too. I could have read that scene differently though than other people. But at the same time, <gasps> wouldn't be surprised if we see a version of the serpent society at some point, mm. like, I, I really feel we'll get m- we've only seen the the flag smashers with superpowers yeah I'm feeling before the end of this we'll see more like I I want to say will the 
the John Walker Captain America will get juiced up at some point. But I want to say, like, we're going to see some people have been trying to replicate superpowers, and I think we're going to see some weird shit at some point. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, like, a woman who has, like, anacondas for arms wouldn't be out of the realm. <laughs> so. I was just trying to think of other classic Captain America story arcs that could be. Mm. Could be th- uh, uh, threaded into this Integrated? story. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's in the in the the Mark Grunewald run where this is taking some ideas and story points for him. Oh, for sure. Ronald Reagan gets turned into a snake person. <laughs> yes. I have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> they never outrightly state that it's Reagan, but it's sure as hell drawn like him. Yeah. He's just the president. He was at that time. So, no, I mean, yeah. like in the comic, they just referred to him as the president. As Mr. President, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> the saga of Falcon and Winter Soldier continues, and we will continue to watch it because we are all into it. Yes. But we come to the end of another episode, and with the end of any episode, Geek Picks. Who wants Ooh. to go first? I vote Ryan. Do- Okay, or Kevin. Okay. So, um, watching some stuff this morning from my nerd list, my geek list, and came back to Jim Henson's The Storyteller. Um, those are some really great, great stories. Uh, if you've never seen it, it is on Amazon Prime. There's only nine or ten episodes. Um, basically, they're telling obscure folk tales and fairy tales. This morning was the tale of the three ravens. It was about... Um, about a king who gets seduced by a witch after his wife dies and the witch turns his three sons into ravens and curses the daughter that she can't speak until for three years, three months, three weeks, and three days. And once that time is up, she can then uh, break the curse and turn her brothers back into humans again. But in the meantime, she meets a prince, gets married, has a baby, the baby gets taken away. Has another baby, and the baby gets taken away. Has a third baby, and the baby gets taken away. And so now the people think that she's a witch. And All that in three years, jeez. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> able to speak, because if she, as soon as she speaks, the she can't break the curse, and her brothers will stay ravens forever. So, um, yeah. I won't tell you how it ends, but there's some witch burning involved. <laughs> so I as think we know how it be. ends. <laughs> Who gets burned as a witch, though? The witch or the princess? Mm. Yeah, so it's Jim Henson's The Storyteller, and it is on Amazon Prime. You can find it there if you just do a quick search on that platform. The the people who came out of that show, too, like on a technical level, is also really good. Because, what's his name? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Anthony Mangella? The who did the English patient. He was like the main story writer and, uh, uh, like sort of show runner for that show along with the, the Henson team and beyond him guys like, uh, the, the dude who directed blade came out of like one of the, like their creature shop at the time. Yeah. Um, Steve Barron directed an episode, the guy who directed the original Ninja Turtles movie. Like it, they, it bred a quality of filmmaker out of that right. show. But Plus it didn't, it, 
It didn't hurt for um, for cast either. Like the three Ravens starred. Um, Miranda Richardson played the witch, and Jolie Richardson played the princess. So you know it's got a pretty pretty good cast too. Yep. Ryan, what's your geek pick? Uh, my geek pick is uh, the return of of uh, the CW Arrowverse shows. Uh, Superman and Lois have been going on. Actually, they just had their little run. Now they're going on hi- hiatus for a couple months, uh, and Supergirl has started up uh, in its place. It had their first issue, uh, first uh, so first issue, <laughs> first episode of the new season, which um, was wrapping up last season's stories because of everything that happened with uh, the production being shut down for COVID and everything. So uh, that's one of the themes that's with uh, all of them. Uh, uh, Flash has recently begun again. Uh, surprisingly enough, it didn't uh, get picked up by any Canadian uh, television channels. It's airing on Netflix. Hmm. So usually, I guess the new episode is out on Tuesday on the on the CW if you get the CW, and then uh, on Thursday it's available on Netflix. Huh. So that's where I've been watching it now, uh, and they've just been finishing off their story arc from last season and starting a new one. Um, I think Black Lightning is is out now. It's not available in Canada yet, not on Netflix. No, it's no, it's just on CW. And then uh, I know that Batwoman has been airing as well. I haven't been uh, watching that one yet. I was PVRing it, and I say was because for some reason at some point my PVR got a mind of its own and reset itself, I guess, and <sighs> deleted everything that I PVR'd. No. Oh. Yeah. So I'll have to try and watch it on demand or something. And... Um, but yeah, no, the every different yeah, so a bunch of the different uh, shows, other TV shows are starting up again now with the whole change in the schedule of production this year and everything that's been going on. All the shows we were used to watching in the fall are starting now. So yeah, so get out there, get your geeky uh, fill of TV with uh, you know the Flash and Supergirl and whatever else is out there on the Arrowverse. Cool. Jen, do you have a geek pick? So I looked at the geek pick list. Geek pick list. Yeah, that's the right words. Uh, and I don't think I've picked this as a geek pick before. So, um, Squirrel have, Girl. No. Although you should still read Squirrel Girl, even though it ended. Um, it, it was still awesome. So Tracy and I have started recording uh, season one point five of Sailor Snacking, which will probably air in May. Excellent. Uh, and we are watching uh, Sailor Moon Crystal, which I mentioned last time. So because it parallels so closely with the Sailor Moon manga, I started rereading Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, the manga by Naoko Takeuchi. Um, and I love it. I just absolutely love it. It's probably one of my favorite things in the world. Um, the art is gorgeous. Obviously, I love the story since I've dedicated so much of my life to Sailor Moon in podcast and anime form and also in manga. Uh, so I, I recommend anybody, everybody to read it. If you don't have time to sit down and watch the anime, even though Crystal is much shorter than the classic one, um, this will give you a good overview base. Well, it'll give you, it'll give you the, the, uh, the story that was based on the anime, the nineties anime. Um, and like I said, the art is just beautifully drawn um, Nako Takuchi's style is that she was very much, uh, she very much is 
influenced by fashion and fashion models. So all of her characters are very tall, very long-limbed, um, very thin, and that's just that's just her style. It's not like she's trying to say anything about modern society or anything, but um, it's definitely a very unique style. So, yeah, everybody, you should probably try to read Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon, the manga. I don't know if it's available digitally on Hoopla. Um, I think probably because it was reissued recently, a lot of libraries probably carry it in physical form when they open again. Um, but I just say go buy it. There are... Mm, there's 12 volumes in total, plus two volumes of short stories, which you can read if you really like them. But um, even if you just read, like, one or two, you get the idea. So, yeah, read Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. Cool. So I guess that comes down to me. Um, so um, I'm going, uh, I'm treading a little bit on Ryan and Ed's territory. I'm going with an action figure that I got oh. this week. Ooh, what'd you get? What'd you get? Uh, our good friend who we sometimes refer to as other Ed, so we don't mix him up with Ed Campbell, <laughs> um, picked up for me the MJF figure from AEW Unrivaled line. The These action figures that they're putting out are so good, and they get better each time. And MJF is just the best heel in the business right now, bar none. So I had to have him and other Ed happened to see him and picked him up for me. And he's great. He even comes with a cloth version of his scarf and a microphone because those are the, the trademarks this character has, but they got the, between the skin tone and the articulation and the tattoos on him. It's just so well done. We, we truly live in a golden age of action figures. Yes, we do. <laughs> I have that figure, and Ken can can I uh, have to agree with you on its awesomeness. A, a guy I work with uh, grumbled to me about, oh, NECA is just killing me right now because he's already pre-ordered his Goliath, <laughs> <laughs> and amongst other things. It's uh, yeah. But uh, that's it for this episode. Next week, I'm not quite sure what we're doing, but it, it may involve some Ewoks. Woohoo! Oh. Just saying. Oh. Uh, I... <laughs> Hooray! Yay. We'll talk about it with Kevin because Kevin's already seen all those. So it may, uh, maybe. Well, then he doesn't something. have to watch it again if he remembers it. <laughs> but. Uh, until then, you can find us at the following different places. Ryan, what are your shows and where can people listen to them? Uh, only one show other than this one where you can listen to me right now where you're listening to me. Uh, my other show, you can find me in the same spot, and it's called Tales from the Collectorverse. It's where uh, Snowhawk Cosplay, Ed Campbell, my, and myself um, talk toys and collectibles. Um yeah, it comes out once a month, the third Thursday of the month. Uh, please, you know, check it out. And we have an Instagram where you can find us, and it's uh, the Instagram is Tales from Collectorverse. We post little videos of new stuff that we get. We do, we can do a little uh, what's in the box, little videos. Um, I post a bunch of toy photos whenever I feel like taking pictures up on there. Um, 
yeah, please like, follow us, give us some feedback, um, any kind of comments. You know, once again, we, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Please give us feedback. Mm-hmm. Jen, where can people find you? Well, you can find me here with Ryan. <laughs> Yay. Yay. And, of course, Kevin and Brent. Um, uh, you can also find me on the Sailor Snacking Podcast. Uh, we are going to air our final episode of the 1990 Sailor Moon anime season one on April the 12th, uh, where we finally talk about episodes 45 and 46. And then, as I mentioned, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And then starting in May, we will be uh, talking about Sailor Moon Crystal season one. Um, So please listen to that episode and let me know what you think. You can find Sailor Snacking on Instagram at Sailor Snacking. Uh, or you can, you know, talk to me through all of the True North Nerds channels. Facebook, Gmail, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Kevin, where can people find you? Two other current podcasts, both of which just released episodes today as we are recording this, Friday, April 2nd. Uh, so Galaxy Class, the Star Trek The Next Generation podcast that I do with some friends that I met at Star Trek Las Vegas a couple of years ago. That just, uh, episode 34 of that just released. It is one of our Bat Left Battles where two episodes go in, one come out. This one, wa- this one was Remember Me, the episode where Dr. Crusher ends up alone in the universe versus In Theory, which is Data Goes on a Date. So uh, we put those two episodes head-to-head against each other and uh, had a vote on that one. And then Stage Whispers, we just released episode 12 of Stage Whispers today. I did an interview with some members of the South Simcoe Theater talking about their foreplay play reading series, which has moved to an online format this year and how things have pivoted uh, to online for so many things. So uh, interesting conversation there, and uh, I'm – pretty happy with uh, how both those shows are going so uh so you can find those wherever you get your podcasts cool wonderful so for me you can find me here at true north nerds as well as uh my radio show now internet radio show the dark side which is on mixcloud just look for black donnelly radio it drops every thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you uh, really want to hear about my musical tastes, our uh, friend and uh, former guest, Alex Kruger from The Composers, had me on their Patreon-exclusive podcast where we talk about one of my favorite albums of all time, which is uh, Typo Negative's October Rust. So if you want to give him a couple bucks, you can hear me talk for like i think an hour him and i talk about the album and the band that made it which is one of my favorites were you not recently on an episode talking about teenage mutant ninja turtles the movie as well oh yes sorry i had completely forgotten about it i had forgotten about that because i had recorded that like months ago (laughs) i just saw the post up it popped up in my feed this week Yep, as a uh, part of the again, you'll have to pay for it if you want to hear it. But uh, the uh, good guys at Geekard had me on their extra podcast to talk about uh, the original Ninja Turtles movie directed by the f- aforementioned Steve Barron <laughs> that we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, just explaining why I love the film so much and stuff like that. It, it, James and I sat down. I did do another one of those, but I don't know when it's coming out or if it already came out, but uh, they're there. Uh, Geekyard are good guys, so if 
you want to give them uh, a couple bucks and get access to those too, you you can. It's at geekartshow.com and then just go to their Patreon. Until next time, good friends, be safe and stay nerdy. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. 